Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There are more female Republicans in prison now than at any time since the Good Friday Agreement. Four women are being held in their own building at Hyde Bank. But they couldn't just come up with a, you know, an ad hoc interim way of holding what would be you know, paramilitary um, prisoners, people facing terrorist charges. They then built a unit which they call Fern 4. Fern 4 is entirely self-contained, so it has its own showers, it has its own recreation room which is used for education. They don't share any of the facilities of the other women. One of them is Christine Connor, the so-called lone wolf. And when I hear the sirens coming, I just walk out. Stick the two things down. This is definitely the direction they will come on. Connor is a catfisher. She used a fake profile pic on Facebook of a Swedish model to woo two vulnerable men to help her with her terror campaign, both of whom later took their own lives. When he obviously realised that he was not conversing with a very attractive, tall, you know, fit blonde model, but a very small, dark-haired woman from Leonel, and he was facing years behind bars. He took his own life, and he was found for days. His family were devastated. What's the history of female Republican prisoners? Who are the four currently being held? And how did Christine Connor get herself a 25-year sentence? Our security correspondent, Alison Morris, joins me with those stories. Alison, we've often spoken about dissident republicanism on this podcast. It's ideology, strategies, main players, and obviously the security response to it. Rarely, I think, have we mentioned female participation. Now, women have often been given the back seat, but I think they've always participated in republicanism. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I mean, you just, you know, we could go back to the big examples, you know, Countess Margovich. We could look at, you know, women who were central to the, the, the raising and that Republican tradition. But in modern Republicanism, um, it's very interesting because women were at that point in time when the, the IRA, when we talk about the old IRA, which would later become the official IRA, women joined the Common Mon and they became part of that women's group of the IRA and what their job would have been mainly not exclusively, but they'd have seen themselves as people who maybe would have transported weapons and, you know, provided safe houses and bandaged up wounds. And then we've seen whenever the provisional IRA was formed after that split, a very different scenario where women actually became leaders and commanders and, and bombers and people who were instrumental to that. And 
interesting. I'm probably going to go off on a wee tangent here, but obviously I interviewed Dolores Price, who was one of the old Bailey Bombers, and she was the first ever female provisional IRA member because she went and seen who was the head of the IRA at that time and says, I am not carrying guns and pushing prams around and bandaging wounds. I want to go and fight. And they had a, a special convention and they had a vote on it. And after that, women were allowed to join the IRA and not and not exclusively have to join the common mons. And then you have people like, you know, names like Maria Farrell, who was obviously killed in Gibraltar. And we've seen the Armagh female prisoners who were, you know, instrumental during the time of protest and who now a lot of them came out of prison and went on to become very involved and active in politics and become household names. So women in republicanism have always been, you know, of a, a different level, I suppose, than what we'd have seen if we look at loyalist paramilitaries and their structures. They were very male, very patriarchal in their structures and women, you know, stayed at home and maintained, provided support and role in those organisations, whereas women within the professional IRA, you could see that women... Um, rose to, to quite lofty positions. So it's a, it's a different situation, I suppose, than what we've seen. And we still see that now. We do still see women who actively participate in that. You know, it's not just a male pursuit, which people might think. And I suppose, I mean, lest anyone think that we are trying to display, you know, to, to portray the IRA as some sort of progressive oh organisation, no. <laughs> we are simply highlighting an historical fact we know that IRA women died in the Troubles. We know that they took part in operations in which people died, were killed, were murdered. And of course, many, many were imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. and they were the, the bombers and the, the gun women and um, they transported bombs. And we know that when we look at, you know, various events which were in the headlines because there might be a strike investigations into it or when we think about things like the Abercorn bomb and, and obviously there was a lot of talk around that around the Troubles pension, Um because the victims and that were instrumental in campaigning for that Troubles pension. But we know that it was eyewitnesses, knew that it was two women had left that bomb there. So, you know, we know that women provide, played an active role. They weren't just, you know, the team makers. They played an active role in that um, professional IRA campaign and in the INLA as well. But there are now, after that part of history, there are today female paramilitary prisoners behind bars here. There are currently more female paramilitary prisoners incarcerated here than at any time since the Good Friday Agreement. So you go back to Marion Price, Marion Price is released, and then we don't hear of any women becoming involved at all for many, many years. Um, And then along comes a case that I don't think I've ever covered anything quite like it, which is that of Christine Connor. Um, who was from like Neela North Belfast and she there was numerous trials that took place in relation to her they call her the lone wolf bomber all sorts of other things but she was jailed and because then they decided because her sentence was so lengthy so they couldn't just come up with a, you know an ad hoc interim way of holding what would be you know paramilitary um, prisoners people facing terrorist charges they then built a unit which they call Fern 4 within the grounds of High Bank and it's self-contained and that was basically I mean the prison service would argue it wasn't but it was basically built to house Christine Connors that was what it was built for cost about half a million pound and cost a considerable amount more than that to um, staff every year but yeah and it was built for Christine Connors who was convicted of trying to bomb 
police officers in North Belfast on two different occasions. She made two 999 calls, which police had played. They were played in court as well, where she sounded very distressed and pretended to be a woman called Gemma who was um, in fear of her life during a domestic abuse incident. Emergency, I can't. I need to say, my boyfriend has come home and he's smashing up the eyes and I don't know what to Where do. Where are you? 797 Common Road. Just calm down. 797. Common Road. Just stay on the line. 797 Common Road. In Belfast. Yes. What's your name? Gemma. Sorry, I need your name. Gemma. Gemma. I'm wondering now, Gemma. I'm in the back of the garden. What? In the back of the garden. Someone police arrived at the scene through improvised devices which was claimed that she had made herself using component parts some of which were sent to her by a guy from England who she had I suppose let's use a modern terminology catfished into believing she was someone else You know Christine Connor and I'm aware that someone eventually lost their life here so in a sense Two people actually lost their lives Two people Yeah In a sense it is different when you read the story of Christine Connor, and the, I mean, as you say, this this lone wolf has been described. You could also describe her not taking away the two people who lost their lives as a kind of a Walter Mitty character. Absolutely, you know, it was the strangest court case I have ever covered. The amount of detail that came out in that case, and she herself was just a very strange character. Look. I tell you, because I've covered courts for a long time, and people might not know this, but when you have those big you know, terror trials involving very senior dissident Republicans, you know, people who have names that would, you know, that you would know that would maybe put the fear into, you know, people who are members of the security forces who feel they're being targeted, people who have long pasts. But when they appear in court, they are almost always, 99% of the time, polite and courteous to the court staff. They wouldn't be like actively rude to the people who work in the court. Whereas Christine Connor seemed to think that part of her being this sort of hardcore Republican meant that she didn't speak to anyone. A lot of times she showed up on her own. She really was alone with. She didn't seem to have much in the way of support or friends. Um, she did on some occasions show up with some other people, a handful of of people. Her mother is very devoted to her and still visits her in prison. But um, yeah, she was just a very strange and odd character. And the case itself was just bonkers. So basically she set up this Facebook page where she said her name was Kate, was Kate, that she was a um, an Irish Republican, but the pictures of herself, which she used, were the pictures of a Swedish model and influencer, an extremely attractive blonde woman. And she was sending people who she was conversing with, one of which was a guy called Stuart Downes, who came from Shrewsbury. Stuart Downes had absolutely no political connection or affiliation with Ireland whatsoever. His family said afterwards he knew nothing about the troubles or the conflict or anything about it. But he had became infatuated with what he thought Christine Connors, the person he thought Christine Connors was, which was this very attractive woman who is actually a real person. She's a, a Swedish model called San Anderson. Um, and she was lifting pictures from... Um, Miss Anderson's Instagram page and sending them to him and claiming it was her. You know, it's 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 it, this is so bizarre. I mean, this this he 
then ended up sending her component parts for explosive devices, which she used as an individual by herself in two attempts to kill police. Well, not only that, she sent him a, a video, which was her walking the route of where she intended to do this. So this is the route, as you can see. I hope this is still recording. <laughs> um, yeah, as I said earlier, it does take seven to eight minutes to walk down. So <laughs> and in seven or eight minutes, like the helicopter will be out. In fact, the drones will probably be out, which is even worse than the helicopter. Um, so really, I need to be running this in three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, no chance. <coughs> but in that video, there's like a slight incline because it's it's around the Leganeal Road. If people know that area, and it's quite a steep incline. And the video when it was played, you can hear that she is huffing and puffing, and she is completely out of weight, and she can hardly catch her breath. And San Anderson is a fitness influencer, and all her pictures of her standing in leggings. And this is a very completely a woman who's. Com- clearly physically unfit and sounds like at one stage she's almost having an asthma attack and yet Stuart Downs never questioned any of this he never questioned why she didn't like face him or speak to him on a phone where he could actually see her he only got still pictures of her and then these strange videos but this ended up I mean Stuart Downs be- finds himself a co-accused in a terror trial this guy from Shrewsbury is facing really serious terror charges with attempting to murder two police officers he disappears from his home He'd been conversing with the United Struggle, was the Facebook page he'd set up, he had conversing with it. When he obviously realised, and he would have seen pictures of Christine Connor getting out of court and realised that he was not conversing with a very attractive, tall, you know, fit blonde model, but a very small, dark-haired woman from Leganeal in North Belfast. And he was facing years behind bars. He took his own life and he wasn't found for days. His family were devastated. It was a really tragic end to his life and it shows the perils I suppose of social media and the internet and how people can be really fooled into thinking they're speaking to one person and when they're speaking to another and that was not the end of it because Christine Connor did not just um, con Stuart Down into believing um, her sort of fantasy story there was another man, a man called Zachary Gevlinger, I believe he was a Jewish American guy, he had no connections, he wasn't an Irish American, he had no connections to here either he was described as very vulnerable, very easily led. He also became um, caught up in this fantasy world and he was sending checks, despite the fact I think he worked as a janitor in a school. He didn't have a lot of money, but he was sending a considerable amount of money to Christine Connor for her cause. And he then was tra- travelled to... She was imprisoned and she was remanded. He travelled to Belfast to meet her. He went in to Haybank on a prison visit to meet her. I am told that that was the first time he'd seen her because I don't know what picture she was sending him or who he thought he was conversing with. But he went into High Bank, he had a visit with her and when he walked out, the cops were waiting on him. He was arrested. He was taken away to Musgrove, um, serious crime suite for questioning where he became so distressed he actually collapsed and fainted and had to be taken to hospital at one stage. Um, so he then was basically almost deported back to America where he was under CIA surveillance quite considerably given the fact that the police had obviously went back to the American authorities and said, you know, this man's visiting a woman who's in court for trying to kill two, um, two police officers. So his life was upended completely. Um, and 
he believed that there was going to be a big trial and that she was going to, you know, stand up for this cause that he had been roped into. And she entered a, a guilty plea. We'll come to that in a minute. And the week that that happened, I think almost to the day, he was found dead where he checked into a hotel room and he took his own life too. So there are two casualties in the, the story of Christine Connor. You know, and uh, and neither of whom had any connection to real connection. They they, they both did this for some bizarre reasons. It's social fact, media, so, yeah. and, and it's a social media, and in fact, you know, especially in in terms of of both, you know, well, I mean, Mister Downs clearly had had a case to answer, but in, in terms of Mister Gevlinger, you know, you could almost say, did he really, you know. Did the feds really need to be on this guy's back? You know, could they not see that this is this this is some sort of Facebook and gone wrong here? It's just I think that then his life became very different and very unbearable, and he was already quite vulnerable before any of this happened. So in two thousand and seventeen, as I said, I was you know I sat through the case. We thought it was going to go to trial, and then we were told that there was a guilty plea, which was entered for Christine Connor. Um, but then she argued that it hadn't been really explained to her what the guilty plea was, that her admissions were ambiguous and should never have been used in evidence because I don't think she actually said the words herself in court. She refuses to recognise the court most of the time. She's in court. We'll get to that in a minute. She's back in court at the minute. But um, So she was convicted and she was sentenced to 16 years in prison. And this story doesn't get any less bizarre. Because usually when people appeal something, they appeal it thinking they're going to get off with it or get a lesser sentence. Christine Connors appealed this. Christine Connor appealed this. There was a another um, trial took place. She was found guilty. And in this case, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And that wasn't the end of it. That was taken back to court of appeal because they said that because she had obviously now was not entitled to any mitigation because there was no guilty plea, there was nothing to be taken into consideration. Um, she caused this trial despite the fact there was, I mean, there was, you know, so much evidence against her, I can't even begin to explain. And yet she then insisted on having another trial. So at this case, they increased her sentence to 25 years in prison. This woman is serving 25 years in prison, which is, you know, nine years more than her original sentence because of her own, you know, I don't know, mis misplaced attempts. At You know, she did try to kill police officers. Her actions did lead to the death of, yeah, of, it's of just, two people. It's her refusal to admit that, though, that then got her sentence increased because her original guilty plea, they took into consideration the fact that they wouldn't have to go through this massive trial and she got 16 years because of that. Her sentence was increased because... And there's, there's a... It's a big... It's a, it's a very long tariff in Northern is. Ireland terms. I mean, there's, there's people... Well, murdered people are doing less. Yes. Yeah. So, so you mean that that shows, in terms of her 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 behaviour, I suppose, in terms of how she treated the criminal justice system, did her no favours. So, a, a few weeks ago, we got off. I'm sitting in Newtonard's court because, if you remember, there was loyalists who have been feuding with each other in Newtonard's, and on one occasion, the judge, the magistrate who sits in Newtonard's, Mr. Hamill's name was painted on the outside of the court. So I go to court, usually we do these things by site link, but considering the sort of massive story of the fact that judge's name with crosshairs being threatened. So I went to Newtonards that day to actually go into the court physically and report on this. And there on the site link appears a blast from the past, Miss Christine Connor from High Bank, who is charged with assaulting two prison officers who I believe tried to get her to come in from the yard where she was sunbathing and she refused and some sort of altercation is alleged to have broken out. 
And the judge tried to speak to her and he said, you know, can Bank, can you hear the court? Because she wouldn't answer. And the person officer says, yes, we can hear you clearly. And her solicitor says, yes, she can hear clearly. And Christine Connor still, as we sit here in 2023, is refusing to recognise the court and didn't answer. And on the last occasion when she was in court, she refused to even leave her cell to appear in front of the court. So it's not as if that all of this has happened and Christine has seen the error of her ways and decided that cooperating with the criminal justice system makes your life a lot easier than trying to constantly frustrate it, um, which increased her sentence by nine years originally. So, yeah, she's a very strange being. She just seems... She's just she's a very odd person, is all I'm going to say. And despite her oddness, despite the fact is that she basically was a Facebook page engaged in one in single-handed armed action, aided by two people who were infatuated with her, thinking she was one of the most beautiful women on earth. I mean, despite this fact, she was taken under the wing of the Irish Republican Prisoners Welfare Association who look after new IRA inmates. I will tell you exactly why that happened. Um, Christine Connor's mother is a woman who would be a sort of lifelong Irish Republican and would have showed up at every march and commemoration, would have been out with a tin collecting money for the prisoners, would have, you know, they'd said, you know, hail rain or snow, should have been out as, you know, rattling the tin, trying to collect money for prisoners' families for decades, like all throughout the conflict. And they're saying that she was taken in as a favour to her mother, who asked, could they? Because obviously... Um, if you're looked after by one of those prisoners groups, they take care of your rights, they lobby the prison service if you have any issues, they make sure you're looked after in terms of items you might need, you know, hygiene projects, all sorts of other things. They just t- they take care of you basically. And if you have a family, they also then would give some money to them every week. So they were saying they looked after her as a favour to your family, but... <laughs> It was only when I went to write this article about the increase in female prisoners that I noticed that they had bumped her off the list. But when I've asked them, they said that she was taken off it over a year ago. They didn't go into specifics, but I asked someone else who knew the situation and they said that she was becoming impossible, among other things that she had done, some of which aren't fit for this podcast. She has also been fighting with the other female Republican prisoners on a regular basis. And so she now has been bumped off their list and she is now, once again, Christine Connor the lone wolf because no one is looking after her. Now, I mean, Christine Connor is a very, very different kind of character. Now, the other three Republican prisoners, they're much more conventional let's this just is, say this is yes this is going to be much more straightforward so you know we'll probably go through these in a, in a much quicker time but yeah i mean it interested me that there were seven female Republican prisoners left in 1998 in McGabry and they were freed under the Good Friday Agreement. They included people um, like Martina Anderson who would go on to become an MEP, um, Rosie McCorley who would go on to serve as an MLA, um, people who were household names, people like Rosina Brown, um, Ella Dwyer, you know, all of those sort of people. So they were released, they were serving big sentences, released under the terms of Good Friday Agreement. No female prisoners um linked to republicanism at all until Marianne Price, who did two years in prison before being released on humanitarian grounds. And then we have uh, Christine Connor, and now we also have the Operation Arbatia case, which you and I have spoken about on numerous occasions, the sting involved in that MI5 agent, Dennis McFadden, and that has put Sharon Rafferty-Jordan and Amanda McCabe, who goes by the name of uh, Mandy Duffy, who are now both on remand and are... Currently, and I did a story about this not long ago, the longest 
serving females on remand in the history, I believe, of Northern Ireland, according to John Larkin, the former um, Attorney General, who has been representing one of those women in bail hearings who argued that they should be released on strict conditions because they've been remanded, but the judge refused. So right now, they're, they're the two remand prisoners who are awaiting trial, and they are also in that separated fern for part of High Bank Wood. So that brought our number to three, which again was actually quite significant. And uh, then... Uh, and I think I should point out, I mean, uh, you know, they're both on remand. That means they haven't yep. been convicted yet. Now, Sharon Rafferty Jordan has a previous conviction. Um, Amanda McCabe? Yeah, she was known as a spokesperson for um, Sarah. She's obviously linked to the Duffy family. Um, she is the partner of um, one of the Duffys. I think she's Paul, Paul Duffy's partner. Um, and she would have been known as someone who would have spoke for those male Republican prisoners quite often and made statements for them, but she hasn't done any, until now, any prison time. Sharon um, Rafferty-Jordan, when she went by the name of Sharon Rafferty, was previously convicted of taking part in uh, a IRA training camp for the new IRA where she was they had like, set up in a forest, the sort of shooting range, and she was taking part in that. She got four years um, a four-year sentence for that. So she has served time before. The reason why, and because people go, why is she allowed to say that if these women are in remand waiting trial? These are diplock terror cases that go in front of a judge only. There's no jury in this case. So um, therefore, you know, we're not restricted by the same restrictions we would if this was a jury trial these women were facing. But yes, as of now, as you say, they're convicted of nothing, they're guilty of nothing, they're on remand, but they're part of that huge operation, our Basia case, which involves 10 people who are alleged to have taken part in those two meetings of the leadership of the new IRA, two, two properties in Tyrone um, that were ha- were rented by an MI5 agent by Dennis McFadden, who hasn't been seen since August 2020. And if you want, if anyone wants to know more about Dennis McFadden, just have a search through Spotify because we've spoken about yeah. him on this podcast before. Now, the the, the other person is sixty five year old uh, Nula Perry, and uh, she ha- she was found guilty in March by a Diplock court in Belfast of collecting or making a record of information likely to be of use to terrorists. And Nula Perry is someone who would be well known in Republican circles. She was also a spokesperson for prisoners. She would have been someone that, you know, we would have considered politically dissident because I always try and make the difference of the fact that there are people who are political dissident in terms of they disagree with Sinn Féin's current political strategy. It's a perfectly legitimate position to hold. You know, you can say... I'm for the peace, but against the Good Friday Agreement. Um, and then there's militant dissident republicanism, which is a very different thing, those who are still actively involved in violence. Um, Nula Perry, I would have considered to be someone who would maybe have been politically dissident, but she was convicted in March, again, by a Diplock court of making her collecting um, records of information that was likely to be of use to terrorists and the um, not just was she collecting this information and why this case as well is, I suppose, noteworthy is she was the first person, the first female to be convicted under the 2021 Counterterrorism Act, which means, as we know, the history of our prison system, the hunger strikes, the prison protest, all of that led to um, prisoners receiving 50% remission. So they get sentenced to six years, they serve three, the rest of that then is served on licence from the outside. The Counterterrorism Act 2020, where you now have to serve 
two thirds of a sentence and then the parole commissioners have to say whether you'll be released or whether you'll have to serve your complete sentence. So she's the first woman to be sentenced under that and she is a previous prisoner. She served briefly, I think, a very short sentence way back in the, the 1980s as well. Now, all of these prisoners that we're currently talking about, they're all at Hyde Bank. A Hyde Bank, most people would normally say, Hyde Bank, young offenders. Yeah. So there, there are people who would argue that women shouldn't be held there at all. And in, inspection reports, government inspection reports have said that the ideal situation would be to have a purpose-built female prisons. And in most countries in the world, in most areas, even in the UK, they would have women specifically, prisons specifically for female prisoners. Haybank is probably one of the most unusual and eclectic detention centres in all of the UK because it holds young offenders. So it holds young men between the ages of 18 and sometimes they can stay there until about 23 or 24 if they're behaving themselves. If they're not when they're 21, they're usually shipped off then to McGabry to serve the rest of their sentence. But if they're working well within the prison system, sometimes they'll let them stay a bit longer um, to finish their sentence there. It holds, and they are either on remand or sentence. So you'll have remand or sentence young offenders, young men, and then you have remand and sentenced women in another part of the prison. But they do mix it on occasion. So they, they, I mean, a lot of people um, would listen to this. I certainly find that absolutely incredible. Yeah, the like of the gym and the education and stuff. They don't have separate ones that would be shared up and up there. It's actually a really good facility in terms of rehabilitation. They really do try. The prison staff in High Bank are called by their first names. They're not called in terms of, you know, and they do try because they're trying to rehabilitate very young people. And a lot of the women prisoners, you know, we have been just been talking about Republican prisoners who would consider themselves to have an ideology and would consider themselves, you know, to be Republican prisoners in the tradition of, you know, the people who went before them. People can argue about that all day long. But what the majority of the women here in that jail, and I've been in that jail countless times speaking to them, are really vulnerable people who have came through the car system, they've spent most of their lives in car, they've been sexually and physically abused all their lives, and then they fall into the criminal justice system in a life of crime. A lot of it's petty crime that then builds up, and they'll end up with like 50, 60, 70, 100 convictions and find themselves doing periods of prison. And then you've also got quite a few um, female killers who are serving life sentences in there. The most famous, obviously, Hazel Stewart, who I have also spoken to, and I think we've spoken about in this podcast they're in a, a part of the prison and they do share the the gym they share the education facilities you know they would pass each other sometimes albeit there'd be like a thin wire between them as they're moving around the prisons <clears throat> those the prisoners we've just been speaking to don't they don't go to that education they don't use that gym they don't use that yard Fern 4 is entirely self-contained so it has its own showers it has its own recreation room which is used for education um, it would have its own exercise facilities. They don't share any of the facilities of the other women. But ideally, there should be somewhere a female prison, I believe, that, that looks after those women and rehabilitates them because many of them are mothers and they have children and they're coming back out to those and they cost the system so much more if they come out and re-engage in crime and their children then have to be cared for by the state and all sorts of other things. But these, these women are in a prison within a prison, if you like, because that's what Farn 4 is. Alison Morris, security correspondent of the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. 
Terms and conditions apply.